And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to your most favorite 47 minutes or more of the week. It's under the radar. Oh my god, that was shocking! I was like, because we, we didn't even discuss our right, who's opening. I was like, all right, he's going to open, and then you went into what was like eighty-five percent Nando Defino right there, man. That makes me happy. Two players today, two hosts, two yeah, two guys, two guys tonight. Uh, doing doing after dark uh, Tuesday. It's not even that dark in where DVR is at all, and here only lightly dark. Uh, Nando Defino uh, predisposed elsewhere. Is that right? Disposed elsewhere, not predisposed. Disposed elsewhere. <laughs> Predisposed to be disposed. But yeah, that was great. Thank you so much. I was not ready for that. I'm so glad you did it. My goodness. There's your opening right there. It's out there. It'll be in the world soon enough. So on this episode, we're going to discuss some minor league stolen base leaders inspired by a specific question about Asturi Ruiz, who is currently putting up really good numbers in the Padres organization. Got a whole bunch of players that have stood out to Ian in the past week. Got a few tweets, people watching body language more closely. So we got at least one example of that that we're going to discuss. Probably a few things that Ian has seen himself along the way. And a good idea, I think, from the Highlander League, too, as far as how you can structure some tanking rules. So we'll be sure to get to that a little bit later on as well. Let's start with speed, though, because in every league I look at, stolen bases are pretty tightly clustered together. If you could find anyone in the second half of the season that could add 10 steals and be good in the other categories, it might be worth seven standings points in some leagues. So. We're looking for guys who are likely to enter the player pool at some point in the second half. And Kyle on Twitter was asking us about Esturi Ruiz, who is now at AAA in the Padres organization, started the year at AA. He is a combined 56 for 64 this season between the two levels as a base stealer, which is just absurd. But it's not like he's doing it with zero power. He's actually popped 13 homers between the two stops. He's doing it with good plate skills. He's drawing walks really doing everything. And as we learned in the prospect pod on Tuesday, he's playing exclusively in the outfield this year, even though he's got past experience in the infield. They're playing him a ton in center field. So in what types of leagues are you currently stashing or about to stash Asturi Ruiz? This is so weird and hard. Asturi Ruiz has been on my Tout Wars NL list every week for the last three weeks as a backup bid to another player that I end up getting. So uh, now we're talking about him. The price goes up, apparently. Um, But but the downside is, especially in Tout Wars, you really have to to play him. Like, you have to take the zero, which I just did this week for Francisco Alvarez. Uh, Picked him up because I had Brian Servin. Is that how you say it? Servin? Brian Servin, uh, who was giving me very little, and there was very little else on the wire. And so you can pick up a player like Francisco Alvarez, take the zero for the week, but then you can stash him on your bench, which is different than the labor rules, which are much more complex. Ruiz falls into that category for me. I do it regularly in Tout Wars. Uh, it's the way I got Luis Garcia a week early for $11 out of 1000 Uh Cade Cavalli, who just went to trade to Tristan Cockroft this week. And Esturi Ruiz has certainly been... Uh, you know, up for it every week. It just doesn't fall that way. Um, I like him a lot enough that I went looking for him in every league to see if he's available. Uh, and really pretty much in every league of dynasty or uh, keeper league, he is not available. So uh, I, 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 he's been on my radar for a couple of weeks now because of those silly kind of like video game numbers. DVR, what is it like for you? To me, it's kind of like another... Vidal Brujan type player, but I wonder mm-hmm. if Ruiz might actually hit the ball harder. That might end up mm-hmm. being a pretty big difference between the two. Because if you look at the ISOs from double A last season through triple A this season, you get slightly better ISOs 
in a much better ISO at double A from Ruiz. So I'm tempted to say that this might be a pretty big impact second half pickup for a lot of people. Yeah, kinda, and also could be, but but how I many? I mean, could also be up and back down. There's not really a spot if Trent Grisham goes bye bye. Do they make Trent Grisham go bye bye at this point? I mean, he is heating up a little bit. Had a home run again last night. Um, but if he got the playing time and got his chance, but does he turn into C.J. Abrams part two, right? I mean, t- that's part of the weirdness. It's like Machado's now back. Now Tatis is that. That's the thing that's keeping me from putting him at the top of my reserve list is Tatis is coming back too. And how much room is there going to be, right? I mean, I, I just don't know if there's going to be all that much space. Yeah, maybe he needs an injury. Yeah, yeah. But Mazzara has been, to Nando's credit, has been really good, super solid, especially in OBP. He's getting on base a lot. His average is high. His OBP is pretty high. I, I just don't know where where he's going to play. Yeah, Jerks and Profar playing well enough to keep playing mm-hmm. a lot. 345 OBP. Power has slowed a bit after that fast start, but eight homers, four steals from him. I mean, it just seems like a guy that's going to play if not every day, very close to it when he's everyone's every back. Day. He's playing every yeah, day he's, so far. He's playing every day, every day. Once you add Tatis back and once Myers is healthy, then I think they lean into their depth so long as they have everyone available. So these are the reasons why That's why I've Reese been is not hesitant. a good blind pickup right now, but he's a watchlist guy for sure. If things sure. break the right way, Grisham's played well enough mm-hmm. that I think he continues to get the bulk of the playing time there. And they mix and match. Azakar gets a lot of playing time as the backup. Azokar, and that's the argument. Azokar. I'm sorry. That's the argument is Azakar goes. If Azakar goes, you bring Ruiz. But then again, does Mazzara have that spot? Do they not want to start the clock on him necessarily? Like, I mean, I could see him coming up for a week, two weeks. But do I think he's going to be up and producing through the rest of the season? No. Another guy that I did stash uh, is Corbin Carroll in that NL only league. Because my belief is when Carroll comes, if Carroll does come up, he's up. Like he's up for the rest of the season. They're they're not going to mess with him. They're not going to play with him. I don't know that he's going to come up. Uh, I've seen him get picked up and dropped in a couple of leagues. In in GDD, uh, I picked him up with Rob Mershak and I. Oh, we picked him up, and then uh, Scott Gilroy picked him up, and then just dropped him. So I don't know when he comes back. But these these little plays here are super fun. Like Derek Hall, you know that Vinny Vinny Pasquatino came up, and of course everyone lost their minds, understandably. For the upside, I love that he's batting fourth every day. But it, the, these little plays do do make the difference, you know? I mean, the, the waiver wire is huge. It's just huge. On, on that NL Tout team, I have so many pickups. Like, so many pickups that are in the lineup every day that that I wouldn't even be in the ballpark of where I am if I didn't have those pickups. It's not like I had 10 starters going this past week uh, because you can use one extra starter. And only four of them were drafted by my team. Uh, five of them were pickups, and and they're all good. I mean, they're all good pickups. And one of them is was a trade for Fab that I made with Steve Gardner for Patrick Corbin. But the, the rest of them, Strider, Keegan Thompson, Tanner Scott, Daniel Bard, and Mitch White. Five pickups off the wire. And the wire, like, you know, people get bored of Fab at this point, part of the year. But it really is so key. It's, 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 it is the game. Thinking about Ruiz in one other context, maybe he's a player that gets traded. Maybe the Padres decide he's worth flipping to get an upgrade somewhere else on their roster. Maybe that's the path for him to get more playing time at some point in the second half of the season. But there's other guys that either because of trades opening up a spot or because of their own performance, they could end up playing somewhere in the weeks ahead. We should call out a Nando guy, Bubba Thompson. He's 38 for 40 as a base dealer at AAA this season. Mm-hmm. 10 homers plate mm-hmm. skills are a little shaky 26.2% K rate 5.2% walk rate we've seen worse and I, I guess the question is where would the Rangers fit him in right now Leody Tavares and Steven Duggar are the primary options in center field Adelise and Cole Calhoun of course are the two primary options in the corners and Maybe the DH spot opens up a little bit of playing time, depending on what they do with nah, Mitch Garver. With Garver. He, he might he might have a an injury that requires surgery at some point, though. So that's yeah. kind of lingering in the background, even though he's healthy right now. And then Brad Miller's there, and he plays a little bit on the big side of platoon. So I, I don't know if the path for Bubba Thompson is much clearer than the path for Estuary Ruiz. 
No, I, I don't think it, it really is without without a I don't think they're moving Cole Calhoun. They're not moving Adelise has been great. I mean at least like full on has been a valuable fantasy player. Even I believe his walk rate is up. Um, I haven't looked at the the numbers itself, but I, I do, you know, I check the box scores constantly and I do see a lot of times that at least Garcia walks. Oh, he walked. Hey, look at that. He walked. So like that, that definitely has been happening more, but no, Bubba Thompson's a really good dynasty piece though. Like if he's still hanging out on your waiver wire, he's not on mine because he's on my team. Uh, he, he's a, he's a nice little stash to get there for minor league for, you know, for minor league guys. So I like that. I, I really am always looking for stolen bases in minor leagues, uh, for dynasty leagues one, because it can help your team when they get older and they make it to the majors because they'll run, but also it's just very tantalizing for other teams. Like if you're going to make a trade, like you want to get speed, you always want to get speed. Like you were saying DVR at the top that there's this sense of the, you know, the stolen base categories just separates everything. So, you know, my old friend, Tim McLeod, he always says that he's a speed whore and you can't, I actually have turned into one myself. I, I, I do not want to be light on steals. Like it's just not a good, it's not a good feeling. <laughs> That's why I pay up for saves and pay up for steals. Like just get yourself and and sometimes it doesn't work out, but you go get yourself some steals because they're hard to find. Yeah, a lot of times you take those players on in season late in the year. They're guys with flaws. They don't have enough playing time. They don't hit for power or they don't get on base very often. So they're buried in the lineup. There's all sorts of problems that come along when you're chasing speed in season. A couple guys that I think are interesting in the Yankees system. One, we were really excited about coming to the season, Anthony Volpe. And he's having a nice year at double A, but not the kind of year that added fuel to the fire in terms of his his prospect stock. He's still really, really good in terms of his like prospect appeal, but a 33 for 36 mark on the base pass at double A this season. I look at Volpe. I'm not really expecting him to debut at the end of this year. And no. you're closer to the situation. So maybe you see it a little differently. No, you're right. But I see him as someone that you might want to go get right now in a keeper or a dynasty league via trade because the slash line doesn't jump off the page. A 247, 341, 449 line at double A. Those aren't video game numbers, but he's been an above average player at the level this season, and given his age, I think it's still a really impressive year from Volpe. Love to see the possibility of getting those steals on my roster, maybe as early as the beginning of 2023. I'll tell you, it's really a tale of two halves of the first half of the season. Tale of two quarters, let's call it that. It's a tale of two quarters, because Volpe was bad, just straight up bad for the first six weeks of the season. Like, I mean, he was hitting, was he hitting 170 or something? Like, and, and, and doing nothing. And everyone's like, oh, what a bust. Like, that was the perfect time to buy on Volpe. But if you can get an owner who kind of is a little disillusioned by that 247, 341, 449, because of the steals and the home runs, he's got home runs. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's got any, he's got somewhere between eight and 12, I think. I mean, maybe it's seven or six. <laughs> it's but- 11. 11. Okay. Yeah. 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 Look at that. 33 for 36 with 11 home runs halfway through the season. I mean, you're not going to extrapolate that to the majors, but even, I mean, it's kind of what Julio Rodriguez is doing, right? I mean, kind of. Julio Rodriguez is just insanely good. Just, he's 21. The comp that James Anderson gave me of Juan Soto might be light. I mean, he, he might be. He might, he's just outrageous. So Volpe is putting up somewhat similar numbers in the majors. That's 15 home runs with 35 stolen bases. I mean, what does that make him next year? Uh, you know, you know what I mean? But I don't think he comes up this year unless Kiner Falefa goes down to a really bad injury. Um, Glaber, thankfully, back at second base. Marlon Gonzalez playing a little shortstop, which is always kind of fun. Uh, but no, Volpe, Volpe needs a little bit more time down, I think. Uh, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't expect much from him this year at all. Frankly, do you think Francisco Alvarez possibly makes it up? Just got moved up to AAA. Do you think he makes it up? I'm starting to think it's possible. And I didn't think it was coming into the season. I think part of it's that the Mets offensive weakness, one of their offensive weaknesses, the short list is behind the plate. So they might find that Alvarez is a clear upgrade for them. I I think they're going to see how things go in the next month or so. And if they reach a point in August where they want to give him a shot, Take a look, see if he could be their primary catcher through the postseason. I think they might be willing to audition him for that. I read an article that Buck Showalter was talking about what he calls the minor league managers and asks them about. This makes me think he won't make it up 
though it's a worthy risk because in an NL only to be able to get those stats even for six weeks would be very helpful from the catcher, you know, from the second catcher position. Um, he says he asks the manager about two qualities. He doesn't care about his hitting, doesn't care about his running. He says, how is his defense and what is his effect on teammates? And then he said, and from what I'm learning, he still got a little bit to work on with both. That's what I'm looking at. <laughs> All right. I'm always talking about that. I'm always talking about how players are with teammates. I could be wrong, by the way, about Julio Rodriguez earlier in the season. I was like, oh, I'm not sure how well he's regarded. I've been watching a little bit more. I've been watching more and he seems, he seems to be well received by his teammates. So, uh, from what I've seen. So, that, that, you know, you don't always get it right. But, uh, anyway, I thought that was really interesting from Buck Walter's perspective. Like you need to be able to play good defense and you need to be able to get along with people, which was my argument with Clint Frazier. I wonder, though, with Alvarez, too, if Buck is just trying to keep expectations from getting just outlandishly high. You know, if he's playing the media a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> Showalter's fun to watch, man. It, do you ever catch any Met games for a little while? Oh, yeah. I, I do, because I watch Taiwan Walker because he's on an important team of mine uh, in El Tout, actually. And <laughs> for some reason, like every time I'm watching a Met gets hit by a pitch. And they always go to this extreme close-up of Showalter's face. Yeah. Every time. They cut right to him. And he's just standing there looking at looking at the pitcher like, like you just you just let your dog run through my house and crap all over the place. What are you doing? You know, like this this look of despair and disgust on his face. It's 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 rather intimidating, actually. Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. It started back in, the, I think, the very first series, one of the first series of the season. The Nationals hit the Mets something like four or five times. They hit Lindor up by the head. I think they hit right, in the head. right, right. Yeah. Alonzo up high. I mean, they, they were hitting guys left and right in that series. Yeah. And it seems like the momentum on the, hey, let's see what, let's see Buck's reaction is, is only getting stronger. <laughs> is he going to erupt one of these days because this is driving him so crazy? I think that's why they, they go in for that nice, tight, close shot. It's, it is. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. It's not funny to watch people get hit by pitches. That's never really fun. But um, it's funny to watch Buck Showalter respond. Tell you that. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. I want to ask you about Esteban Floreal because he is stealing bases. 26 for yes. 31, walking a good bit, striking out a little too much, close to 30%, just under, mm-hmm. but showing power too, 10 homers. And you think about Hicks and Gallo and some of the older outfielders they have. Is there a path for him even as like a fourth outfielder for the Yankees or is he a clear trade ship for them as the deadline approaches? That's a trade ship. That's an that's a Estevan Floriel plus JP Sears for Andrew Benintendi kind of trade. I, I don't necessarily want them to do that, though Benintendi with that right field fence might be kind of fun to watch in, in New York. Um but yeah, he looks awesome. He's been so great over the course of these last three, four weeks. I mean, he's hitting like three three fifty or something. And with with power and with the twenty five again stolen bases like you can sell stolen bases, people everyone needs stolen bases. So when you get a prospect, I look at OBP, you look at strikeout percentage, but I'm looking at stolen bases and I'm just like Nando does stolen bases and home runs. It tells you so much. I think he's real. How about you? Do you think he's real? I like the adjustments. I think he's had some injuries too as a prospect that have caused the production to dip at times, and I know he's kind of. He's kind of forgotten about as prospects go. He's still prospect list eligible, but you don't really see him on prospect lists. So 
I'm interested. I think you're right. I think it's more likely to be a trade to a team that can actually play him more as opposed to an opportunity with the Yankees. And I think it's a chance worth taking. So might be a good stash maybe the week prior to the deadline. The deadline this year is on a Tuesday. It's on Tuesday, August 2nd. So you might want to think about adding Florial on Sunday, July 31st, that fab Sunday going into the deadline because that could be when things open up a bit more for your deeper redraft leagues. Maybe in AL-only leagues, you got to do it now. Play the stash game the way Ian's talked about a lot of players. But for deeper mixed leagues, if you got that one spot to play with, that might be about the time where you want to take that chance. You think? Do you think Do you think it'll actually... You know, I just worry about guys. Like, I only want to stash the elite of the elite. I want to pick up Floriel and Dynasty, right? Oh, I definitely have picked him up. Yeah, yeah. But but for redraft, I just don't. I just don't know. I feel like. I mean, maybe, maybe it's it's just hard. In, in a lot of these only leagues, you've got to put them in the lineup and then hold them for a week. I just don't know. It's and and also the Andujar situation in New York. They're, they're loaded there. That's why I don't. You know, it's like <laughs> in fantasy leagues, we can drop a Javier Baez for thirty nine dollars, which I'm con- considering with Dr. Tom Scott uh, doing in Maki, right? Just to clear space. But baseball players don't really do that. But Joey Gallo is a DFA candidate. Like, what do you do? It's a, he's just a, a a DFA candidate. We, we, I think we're going to get to that later, and we've got uh, one more speed guy, but. It's just no room, and, and Andrew Har should be hitting. He should be playing. He should be in the major leagues. I mean, he comes up and he hits the ball hard, just hits it hard, like all the time. And Gallo just looks lost. I don't know why Gallo is this bad. You know, the way he's approached pitching throughout his entire career, even as a minor leaguer, we knew what the downside was. At least we thought we knew what the downside was, and this is somehow quite a bit worse than that. So. Who knows? It might be might be gone a month from now. It might be somewhere else entirely. It's just who wants them, you know, and, you know, maybe you get them for, you know, someone thinks that they could re-unlock them. The reality is it's one of those emotional questions for him. He is so, and poor guy is so in his head and you can see him like he'll strike out and he'll try to hold it together for his first at bat where he strikes out, but then he'll pop up and he'll just, you know, he's just squeezing the bat so hard. I think he's like, oh, for the, his last 28 Maybe he had one hit, but I mean, that's really not good. It's just not good. Last speedster. Remember Pedro Leon? People were excited about him. Yeah. Yeah. Slash line's not great. 228, it starts bad. It gets better. 228, 372, 451. 8% better than league average by WRC+. 11 homers. 25 for 31 is a base stealer. It's not that different than what we just talked about. Esteban Floreal, and he's age appropriate for the level. Leon just turned 24 back in May, so he's not old for AAA or anything yet. I'm kind of intrigued. I just don't know how he fits into the plan in the immediate future for the Astros. I have a blind spot on Pedro Leon. I mean, what what is it about him? The walk rate looks great. You know, 372 OBP is very impressive. What is it that you like about him? It's tools on tools on tools. 25 for 31 is really efficient as a base dealer. That's volume mm-hmm. and efficiency. And if you walk yeah. with that speed, that can be good. Center field's not totally it's settled good. for them. No, like, that's true. It's all it takes is just the opportunity to start playing at the big league level to see if you can do it. They play him some in right field, too. It's actually made three starts at short, 21 in right, and 31 starts in center. So mostly center, good enough arm to play in right if they need him to. I mean, and you're talking about Jake Myers and Chaz McCormick here. I mean, with Brantley out, yeah, maybe Leon is the guy. Maybe Leon is the one that you could stash in an AL only league. I don't know that he gets traded. But I don't think they're settled. I think that they're, you know, they're still looking for somebody to replace Springer. Maybe that's what Leon is. If if not that if you know we're here right now, you'd be like, oh, Pedro Leon is the greatest. I love him. I played in Cuba. It's the best. <laughs> right. you know? Yes. I, I do like the that PSA OBP. 10s right now. Yeah, I do like the OBP. The 372 OBP is, is, and I, I, I like the way you think, Mr. Van Riper. It's very smart because if he does, if he walks, he gets on. If he gets on, he runs. You know, Jorge Mateo, single to right, first and third, two outs, he ran. You know, guys, guys who run, run. So, yeah, go. that's an interesting one. All of these guys should be consideration in terms of in order of possible 2022 value in a mixed 15 mixed league not uh dvr 
Where, how would you rank these five players? And I'll do it right after you. Pedro Leon, Esteban Florial, Volpe, Thompson, and Ruiz. Volpe, I think, is just an automatic last for me because I think he's the least likely to play in the big leagues. Agreed. So I'm going to put him at the bottom. You're going back to front. I like it. I'm going to go back to front because that's the totally normal way to rank players on this list. So I'll put Volpe fifth. Mm -hmm. I like it. I'm going to put Bubba Thompson fourth. I'm with you. I think Texas is crowded enough where that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think the swing and miss combined, he has, to, he has to walk more or he has to strike out less. One of those things has to change. Otherwise, I think he's going to have some trouble against big league pitching, even though there's nice tools there. So he's fourth. I'm going to put Floreal third because mm-hmm. he, he, okay. he needs a trade. Like He just yep. he needs the trade. We can't assume it's going to happen. They could trade other guys and then he can be the next guy up. Then he's still not up. Going from bottom to the top so far, I am fully in Step with you, sir. I'm really torn at the top. I think I believe more in Ruiz because the plate skills are a lot better. So I'm going to put Leon second and Ruiz first, even though I think Leon might have a slightly easier path because of what we talked about, the Padres getting more crowded. But I also think the Astros might be among the teams that could go out and trade for a center fielder, right? If we see Cedric Mullins or Brian Reynolds or one of those players on the move, they could easily be in the mix for a player like that because there's there's no long-term commitment. Wilson Contreras and Rafael Ortega going to the Astros from the Cubs. That would make a little bit of sense. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that Possibly, could work. Perhaps. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, I like that. I like that list. Uh, I would go from the top to the bottom. Ruiz, Leon, Florial, Bubba Thompson, Anthony Volpe. Pick them. And all of them are worth, uh, definitely, if they're available in Dynasty or Keeper Leagues, they are worth a pick. A dynasty more than Keeper. Keeper don't typically get to pick up kids during the season like that. But in Dynasty Leagues, Ruiz is owned, right? I mean, Ruiz is owned. Volpe is definitely owned. But Leon might not be owned. Florial was not owned in the Devil's Rejects. And Bubba Thompson was not owned a few weeks ago in Dynasty League 1. So, yeah, they're your under-the-radar speed guys for the week. So let's talk about a few players that are almost connected to some of the situations. I mean, Nomar Mazzara, are you buying what you're seeing right now? Because I know Nando would be over the moon about what I Mazzara's said Nomar Mazzara. I was right. I was definitely right. Um, and he was. And here's why. I, I just saw him single to right field, just a little soft single over the second baseman's head. And he's two for three. And uh, this was game's over now, but against the Mariners. And you know what I thought to myself as I saw him standing on first base? I had this image of like all of the prospect guys losing their minds over Nomar Mazzara. It, circa eight years ago would be 2014, 2015. Nomar Mazzara was going to be the next big thing. I like guys like that. I like guys who everyone thinks has the ha, have the stuff and then they grow into themselves and they struggle and they struggle and they they suffer and they fly the big airplanes and they're feeling like stars and then they suffer and they stink and they got to go back to riding the bus in AAA. And then they get really good in AAA and they come on back and they go, you know what? I, I got to take this more seriously because I don't want to drive that bus anymore. That's what I think about No More Mazar, at least for this year. I, I like him. I picked him up in numerous places. I'm playing him. The problem with him is... He does not play every day. He will not start against lefties. Azokar starts against lefties. Um, but if he's starting five of the six games, he's going to play. And he's going to hit. So what do you think? I'm a little concerned that he's not hitting the ball harder more often. Because in the past, that was something he did. And as someone that doesn't steal bases, and someone who loses playing time against lefties, he really has to make the most of a partial share of playing time. So if he's not going to hit for 20 home run power, it becomes harder to roster him outside of, you know, 20 team mixed leagues and NL only leagues. But it's nice to see him performing. It's nice to see the K rate is down compared to where it was during his time with the Tigers last year, during his time with the White Sox and the pandemic shortened season. There's one other good thing in the profile too. He's hitting the ball on the ground less than he has at any point in his big league career. And I think if that sticks, I do have a little more reason for optimism about the power coming around. But the most surprising thing for me is that he's not barreling the ball more often because that's something he's done pretty much at a league average clip or better ever since he got to the big leagues. Do you happen to know his nickname? I if don't. If you did, I'd be, I'd be very impressed. I just saw it. Big Chill. 
Big Chill. <laughs> that's got to be a really that's a that's a seventy grade nickname. Um, you know what I'm seeing here? He's got a three hundred one average and eighty three at bats, two home runs, right? So that's 12, 13 home runs over the course of the season. But look at the RBIs. He's got like seventy eight or eighty thirteen RBIs through eighty three at bats. That's pretty good. It means he's he's hitting in a timely way. He's hitting well in a good spot in that order. Even though that team is not performing, he's performing. And I do like the team. And I wonder if Machado is hurting things by, uh, you know, not really being fully healthy. But I don't know. I, I still think certainly for NL only, he is a man. Uh, and 15-team leagues, he's worth a bench spot, which is where he is in GDD this week. He is on the bench. Here's another guy who is AL only helpful. Sky Bolt. He doesn't need a nickname. His name is Sky Bolt. He's got the job until he doesn't have the job anymore. And in AL only, that's at bats and that's runs and that's valuable. So Sky Bolt, he does have some speed, a little bit of pop. You buying anything on Sky Bolt? I picked him up in AL Labor this week for $3. That's pretty much the only format for now. It's weird how good his numbers have been at AAA this season and last season. We're only talking about 63 games, but average near 400 and OBP near 500. Showing some power, 12 homers. I'm surprised he doesn't run more for a guy named Skybolt. He's got 12 homers the last two seasons combined in 63 games at AAA. But how many stolen bases does he have? Six during that same time. That's not enough for a guy named Skybolt. No, not nearly enough. No. No, he's a he's a 60-grade runner. This guy's name is Sky. His last name is Bolt. For gosh sakes. Yeah, but AL only, he's worth he's worth an easy pickup. Uh, they, they need an answer there. They're going to give him a chance. That's the word. And that's a good thing about following the news. Like, it'll tell you. Sky Bolt, he played those last three games. He's starting tonight. He's, uh, you know, he's Sky Bolt. Eric Haas, DVR. Have you, do you have any Eric Haas in your life? I have Eric Haas only in my AL only keeper league. I did not have him anywhere in mixed leagues. So I missed out on both the big June and the disappointing April and May. Pretty much everywhere. In 2022... Here's here's what I'm noticing about Eric Haas over the course of the last couple of weeks. He's starting to play again. And if we look at what he did last year, and he's available everywhere. In 15-team, two-catcher leagues, he's available. He's available. He, he's just available. I think he should be rostered. I just picked him up. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I picked him up in a 12-team, one-catcher league. He's playing a lot. and I, And he's starting to get hot again. And he could put up 25 home runs. I don't know if he's going to do that this year, but last year he hit 22 home runs in 351 at-bats from the catcher position. His average is not going to help you with average, but I, I just I just think he's cheap. He's a dollar, $2 on the wire, worth it, worth a pickup. He's had a good week, too. Do you think there's a chance? I'd see him more as a two-catcher league guy than a one-catcher league guy. Yeah. But if you're dealing with injuries, playing time maybe in a full week might be enough to use him at least temporarily he's in some one-catcher situation. in that lineup. He, he's batting fourth today. Yeah, K rate's down this year too, so that's it's encouraging. But it's weird though; the K rate's down, but he's swinging at more pitches outside the strike zone. So I think the K rate being down might be a little bit of a mirage. But he's there for cheap power. Yeah, and actually, I'm looking at the 12 team league, and he was like my second choice, but I got Christian Vasquez, so that's probably a better choice. That's probably a better choice overall. Um, but Jose Trevino. I'm watching him every day. If he's available in a two-catcher league, I doubt that he is. But if he is, even in a 12-team two-catcher league, I would pick him up. I would definitely pick him up. Not, uh, DVR? I don't know if I actually believe in, in Trevino. I think he's a great story. I like that he's not your prototypical swing-out-of-his-shoes sort of catcher that you tend to, to have to pick up on the wire in season. I think you're probably right. I think because of what he was doing a few weeks ago, a lot of two-catcher leagues... He's just not available right now. But the one thing that does give him a bit of a lift is that he's part of what's been the league's best offense. So when he plays, he gets more chances to drive in runs and score runs than yep. he would on a bad team. And that could be that could be enough to keep him maybe in the back of the top 20 among mm -hmm. catchers the rest of the way. I don't know if I'd expect him to be much better than that. Back of the top 20, yes. Not back of the 20s. Back of the top 20. Yep, I think that's right. I think that that's right. His, he's got an OPS plus of 112. He's got seven home runs in 141 at-bats. His defense is remarkable. He is beloved on that team. 
And his batting average isn't going to hurt you either at 255. I would even say you could maybe make a move for him if he's on somebody's bench. You could make a tr- small trade for him and trade a, if you need a catcher, you could trade a No More Mazzara for him. I don't know if you're going to get him for No More Mazzara. You might need to give a little bit more. Maybe <laughs> No More Mazzara and like $5 of 100 fab. You might be able to get Jose Trevino. I just like him. I just, I, I think he's, he's the guy in New York. He's the starting catcher and he's changed the whole culture of the team. So I guess I love him for that. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We've got like a dozen players that come up about once a month on this podcast, and Ahmed Rosario I think is one of them. I think he's a little bit of a Nando guy, but I think we all like him for slightly different reasons. One thing I've always liked is that From a real-life value perspective, prospect evaluators had him as a well-above-average player. You see a lot of like 55, 60, even a 65 grade on him for his long-term value. Got to the big leagues really young, always young for the level in the minors. Has really done a good job for most of his career, keeping the K rate at a reasonable level. This year, it's amazing. 14.2% for the strikeout rate has that weird combination of swinging a lot of pitches outside the zone but not striking out a lot just means he can hit pitches that he can't drive i think that's the the way i would look at that combination there's non-zero power we saw 11 homers last year he's only got three so far this season but there's speed he's nine for 12 as a base dealer so far on pace Mm -hmm. for maybe 20 and he's a good source of batting average this is the third season in the last four where he's sitting with a batting average in the 280s and i think that's generally the most underrated five by five category so is this the next level or you know is it what you see is what you get for Ahmed Rosario I like I like the player I mean I like the player because what he gives you an average and gives you in speed it's a little bit like Luis Araya so I think we talked about last week a little bit like these average guys they really help your team they make your team your, your team's average go up quite considerably. He's playing every single day now. That was the concern. There was a period of time early in the season where Owen Miller was getting time at second. Andres Jimenez was getting time at short. They were playing around with Rosario and left, and that just wasn't working. And then they just sort of said, all right, you know what? You're batting second. You're playing shortstop every day. Come to the ballpark. He's batting in front of Jose Ramirez. I just think that it's a it's a nice, I don't know, you're not going to be able to pick him up, but he's a nice player to have on the team, I think. Uh, might be even worth a trade uh, to get if, if you have something extra, if you have strikeouts, you have a an excess of pitching, you trade him and you get Ahmed Rosario. In some leagues, he also will have outfield eligibility, which is very valuable at this time of year to have that dual eligibility um, like Josh Rojas does, which is super fun. Uh, but so, yeah, I, I think he's he's definitely somebody interesting. Can you explain to me why I just never have understood Josh Bell? I know, look, He's the 15th pick in the draft. I think it was 2015. Big prospect coming out of high school. Uh, nice family. His mom was his agent. Like, I know all this stuff about him. 
I just never liked his swing. I just always thought that he wasn't good. And now every time I look up, Josh Bell is doing something great. Why have I been so wrong on Josh Bell? When it's not going well, he hits the ball in the ground a little too much for someone that you want to hit for power. And I think there's been a surprising amount of fluctuation in his batting average for a guy that doesn't strike out a lot and switch hits. You just think that, like, oh, you can't really shift him that well because he, he can hit from both sides. And I think that's what it is with Bell. And because of the inconsistency with the power and first base being a position where you expect 25 plus homers from an everyday guy, it's easy to get frustrated. You know, you go back to the 2017 breakout, 26 homers that year, low average, low K rate. We thought, okay, it's, it's going to happen again, and it's going to be a better average when it does. Well, no, the power basically got cut in half in the follow-up season. Then you come back in 2019, year of the rabbit ball, he hits 37 home runs. He almost hit the same number he hit in the previous two seasons combined in the year of the rabbit ball. Okay, Josh Bell's a star. He's going to be a middle-of-the-order masher for the Pirates for the next couple of seasons. Things are great. Pandemic season happens, K-rate goes up, power dips a little bit, not at the 30 home run pace that we saw before, kind of a low 20s home run guy with a low average, and the high K-rate. Oh, okay, we were wrong about Josh Bell. I almost think it's like the shape of his production. It just doesn't make sense. And then what was 2021? 2021 must have been okay, because he was going around 110 in drafts, and I was not, I was, no, not considering him. Rob Mershak, oh, was like, we got to get Josh Bell. Like, hey, we're not getting Josh Bell. There's no Josh Bell. And now every time I look up, Josh Bell, Josh Bell, Josh Bell. Career best hard hit rate last year, 51.5%. Big, big jump in that category. Kept the K rate down back where it was prior to the pandemic shortened season. He's always drawn walks. And I mean, I think part of what made him appealing, aside from the hard hit rate going up, is that he was able to do what he did the 27 homers last year in just 568 plate appearances. There was reason to believe if he was going to be an everyday player again this year, he might mm-hmm. get 650 or 700, and he might hit 30 home runs again, and he might even get close to 100 RBIs and 90 runs scored. That seemed like that was within reach. He's put the first half together to be on a pretty close pace to what I just described, little under on the home runs, but you'll take that. For a guy hitting 318 right now, I think it's really valuable to have someone who's playing every day helping you an average that much, also being at least solid in power, but maybe even above average in power, and then very good in both runs and RBIs. Obviously, doesn't steal bases, but you're not really expecting that from most of your first basemen anyway. I just think it's the it's the up and down nature of the production, and explaining it is weirdly difficult, but the most logical thing to me is that he's a switch hitter. I think switch hitters can be more volatile. Look, he's got 44 runs, he's got 47 RBI, he's he's going to be on track if he if he gets if he has a hot little section he could go hundred hundred there, yeah I yeah you know but then <laughs> it's it, it it's that it's that whack a mole and now next year I'm going to be like all right Josh Bell I'm in and then he boom and then it's like oh my god and I think that's what it is it's like when you invest in a player and you're like all right this guy's going to be good this year and then he disappoints you just don't want to touch him again you know you're just like meh no thanks I'll pass I've been down that road and I think that that's the feeling of it. It's a, it's the life of a fantasy baseball player. There's another player I'd like you to explain to me. I watched Taiwan Walker pitch. He's only throwing 93. He's so good. <laughs> he's been so good this year. He's a, he's the reason. I mean, if you think about the fact that DeGrom and I, I want to call him DeGrom the way Ariel and Ruvain call him DeGrom. Um, the, DeGrom and Scherzer out and the Mets are still doing what they're doing. Bassett in and out. Peterson pitching great, but. Taiwan Walker, I think, has 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 been their most consistent starter this year. Like, how's he doing it, TVR? I don't know how he's doing it with such a low K rate. He's getting a lot of swinging strikes, and normally when you have a double digit swing strike rate, you're going to miss bats a little more often overall than Walker has to this point. Sierra points to someone who's about a run better with this ERA than he should be right now. Okay. I could live with that. I mean, if he's a 380 ERA guy the rest of the year with a good whip and on a good team where he's going to win a lot, that still plays, especially when you think back to what he cost on draft day. Yeah. And if you go to the body language thing again, right, go back to looking at body language, he's so darn confident. Same with Spencer Strider that we're going to talk about first in a second. Like he just believes, I think it goes back to this pedigree. Like he was, there was a period of time where he was the Grayson Rodriguez 
of minor league baseball and then just years of arm trouble, right? But I remember there was a trade once in one of my leagues where, you know, Taiwan Walker got moved and everyone was so, it was such a scandal. And they did nothing for like five, five years almost, four, five years. And now he's back and he, he did it last year too. He was good last year too. He did have some blowups, if I remember, towards the end of the season last year. That kind of hurt hurt his cause a little bit, but I'll tell you, he he's just been surprising. Have you been rostering him anywhere? I have him in NL Labor, and All right. I've got him. Ah, I forget which of my mixed leagues, at least one or two mixed leagues too. I I did like him where he was going back during draft season, in part just because City Field is such a pitcher friendly place to pitch. I thought there'd be plenty of home streaming situations that I liked, mm-hmm. and I did think he was a little bit unlucky a season ago especially i don't think he should be a high home run rate guy he's getting more outs on the ground this year he's also throwing more splitters this year i think those two things go hand in hand and i think that trade-off is a better long-term trade-off if if you can't have everything would you rather have a few more strikeouts or a significantly reduced home run rate from walker i think i'd take the significantly reduced home run rate yeah home runs suck when you're following a pitcher and he gives up a three-run home run, which he did yesterday, those are the only runs he gave up, was a, a, a three-run. Uh, Nick Senzel took him deep. Hmm. It, the the three-run, yeah, Nick Senzel. I told you about Nick Senzel. Uh, Nick Senzel is stealing bases and hitting home runs. Yeah, so anyway, I, I, I'm just consistently, it all goes back to that level of confidence as I'm watching a pitcher. Try to check that for yourself. Like, how confident are you when your pitcher is on the mound and you're watching him pitch? Like, there's no higher level of confidence than Jacob deGrom. I I owned him only for a little while last year. I'd never owned him before. Traded for him in a dynasty league. And I literally would just watch him pitch just for the sense of relaxation. This is like, you get to have the fun, but you don't have to, like, hold your breath that he's about to give give up a dinger. Like, that's how I measure pitchers. Like, how confident am I when you're up there? That'll that'll let me know what kind of night I'm going to have. And for me, Walker, I've been more confident than should be expected. The Sierra makes some sense. But Spencer Strider, I just want to watch him pitch all the time. All I want to do is watch Spencer Strider pitch. If Spencer Strider is pitching, I am. you can count on the fact that if I'm not elsewhere with family or watching my son play baseball, I am watching Spencer Strider pitch because he is so confident. It's amazing to watch. Do you have Strider on any teams? Yeah, I got Strider on a few different teams, too. He's on my mixed tout wars team and I think one of my draft and holds. So nice to have him there because that's like finding a, a midseason SP2 yeah. possible ace is just gold in, in leagues like that. I mean, are we a possible ace with Strider at this point? It's at least in the the realm of like what the ceiling could be. I mean, I think it's it's a lot of fastball slider and because the fastball is electric he can get away with that i think if you look to the future you'd say well if he's going to be a great starter in the long run it's because he developed a consistent third pitch throws the change up like five percent of the time right now change up that's what i was gonna say he, he does have a change i'd up. like to see him throw that more well, what do you think his ceiling is right now if he doesn't change that if he's just 95 percent of the time he is fastball slider and we're just looking two to three years into the future let's assume Minimal velo loss, reasonable health. What do you think he can do? How much velo loss? Because that's one thing about him. He can pitch. He, I have seen him throwing anywhere from sitting 96 to sitting 100. Yeah, I, I think as a starter, as a regular starter, the way he's been for you know a few weeks now, a couple months even, I would expect that he settles more in at that 96 and then yeah it's like 96 to 98 he reaches back for 100 once in a while but yeah well, that's not what he was doing that's not what he's doing like it, when he when he's he's 90 sitting 96 was the only one time i saw it and he did not survive it very well like it didn't go well for him when he's sitting 98 and then touching 100 he, he he's darn near impossible to to hit i mean just you can't hit him but when he sit and then sometimes he's sitting 100 and pops up to 102 so if you're, we're talking about that guy, God, all I know is there's never a time where I think, even when he was in uh, facing the Dodgers, not for a second did I think that I didn't want to start him. I, I just, no, he pitches. And, and I don't feel that way about you, Darvish. I don't feel that way about Logan Webb. But I do feel that way about Spencer Strider. So that probably makes him a top 
30 starting pitcher the rest of the way for you? Are you going higher than that? I mean, is that nuts? No, it's not. I don't. It's a little nuts. Based on the results so far, I mean, the K rate's 37.7%. Walk rate is just under 10%. Ratios are amazing. It's the leg around after he throws the 101 strike three and he does the little spin. That's the best part. It's like you go to the ballet for a minute. Spencer Strider, ladies and gentlemen. I hear some Gary Marshall in there. Yeah, there's a little Gary Marshall in there. <laughs> Listen, Gary Marshall here. Um, all right. Anyway, that's enough on enough on Strider. I just watch him. If you haven't watched him, even just go back and watch his highlights. He's just... Just so much fun to watch. We talked a little bit about Joey Gallo and his struggles. Aaron Hicks. I talked I, I talked a couple of weeks ago about Dylan Moore peeking out a little bit. He's peeking out a little bit. Should, everyone should take notice. Dylan Moore is getting a little bit more playing time. He's running. Sometimes it gets caught stealing, but he's running. He's hitting some home runs. And we have our Sam Haggerty yearly show up right now. <laughs> Haggerty's, Haggerty is, is doing his Seattle Mariners. Hey, I'm going to play every day. Hey, maybe I'll go to second base. Hey, I'm going to play. Um, and, and doing well, doing pretty well. He's probably available. I don't know that he's a pickup yet, but uh, ale only he is Sam Haggerty and uh, Dylan Moore. You're not getting a nail only and just keep looking for Dylan Moore. If he has a good week, he's worth a pickup, I would say. Um, and Hicks, Hicks, I think is going to get the time, uh, in, in lieu of Gallo. I think Hicks will play five days a week based on what I'm seeing. Uh, whereas Gallo, I think is down to three games a week, maybe two to three games a week. Uh, Hunter Green, who who I like a lot and I'm excited about, does not quite have the, uh, you know, back in the WWF days of wrestling, the intestinal fortitude. He seems to be struggling a little bit with that. He gets down on himself a little bit more than I like to see. Have you noticed anything with Hunter Green? He struggled yesterday against the Mets. Just that home run rate. I, I just, I wonder, I wonder if it's extra demoralizing to have a fastball that you could throw that hard. But to see it get hit the way that it gets hit, that, that's that got to be weird. Like, imagine. Imagine throwing as hard as Hunter Green does and turning around, looking over your shoulder at balls landing in the bleachers after you do that. And it happens a lot. Now let's talk about, I'm going to go to the, the Reds in four tweeted us, me and you, about the body language of Joel Cunell from Cincinnati. He says, I'm no body language expert. But the Reds reliever hunched over like he's going to throw up after giving up this home run probably isn't good, right? <laughs> no. It, it wasn't. But but you know what? I don't mind the initial reaction. It's the second reaction that I'm looking at. You give up a big home run like that, you can take the punch to your gut. It's what is the look in your eye when you get ready to throw your next pitch? Are you still thinking about the last pitch that you threw? Or are you thinking about the pitch that's in front of you? That's what I'm looking for. Focusing on the next pitch and just being able. And that's where I'm struggling with Hunter Green. If I was Hunter Green's coach, after he gives up the home run, I, I like when a pitching coach goes out and talks to the pitcher after they give up a home run, because it, it's such a, like a shot at your pride, right? Because you're like, I just gave up. I, I just, that guy just hit that ball 425 feet against me. Oh God. Now here's the next guy. How do you recover? I'm looking for Spencer Strider. He'll give up that home run. Doesn't give up many, but he'll give up that home run. He'll go, ah, all right, try, try to do that again. That's belief in yourself. And that's kind of the key to everything. Everything. In baseball and kind of in life. Not being a jerk about it. Not being like, oh, I'm the greatest thing since last year. Because then, then you know, you're flying too close to the sun and your wings are going to, you know, the, that's Icarus, right? Yeah, Icarus flies too close to the sun. But that belief in yourself of, all right, you got me. Now let me get you. That's what I'm looking for. So if 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 you are and and DVR, you brought up this idea about uh, finding things like Reds in four sent us, where you sort of watch a player and you cut, you know, and you, and you send us that clip. We'll talk about it on the show um, because it's uh, it, it's obviously fun and interesting for me. Yeah, I think it it's just one of these things that if you think you see something interesting. Pass it along because I think we're all trying to watch this game more closely, trying to make observations that could actually be very helpful as we try and figure out what's going on in the minds of these players. They're not robots. They're not stat generating yeah. robots that just do what the projections say. We want to try and learn as much as we can about why someone might over or underperform their projections. And I think 
these types of things are great things to dig into. Uh, we did have one more tweet that came our way. Ryan reached out to us to let us know that he believes that the Highlander League has the most elegant solution for tanking rules. The Good bottom word. half of the league is locked into the top half of the draft spots, and the order is determined by your season batter at bats plus pitcher batters faced, which I think basically rewards teams for keeping as many active players in the lineup as possible. And I like, like that. Long term, it kind of rewards you for just finding big leaguers, too. It's a dynasty league, so you're getting getting a little bit of pat on the back for being right about more players being viable big leaguers. And it also then it becomes a, a question of if you if you're going to make pickups, do you pick up guys that might grow into something bigger, or do you pick up guys who are going to get the playing time? You know, like guys like Miguel Rojas, who actually could be considered for any size league right now, fifteen team league for sure, twelve team league. Miguel Rojas always always valuable, just does a little bit of everything. Um, but you know, you pick up guys who who you think are going to play. And not necessarily, but just to accumulate those at bats and and pitchers who are going to start. I kind of like that. I like anything that makes you have to stay engaged through the entire season. So thank you, Ryan, for sending that to us. And it's a I, I would vote yes on that. DVR. Anything like that is good. I mean, just the team that finishes last is maybe they're trying for the future. Maybe they're always trying in in your league right now. I don't like what it does to the rest of the league. I think it has no, a negative agreed. impact on teams that are contending. Anything you can do that reduces that is good. I, I, I'm telling you, I really want to. I think if when I when and if I start another dynasty league, it should be a relegation league where every year the 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 team in last place in season one, you're out, you're out. Yeah, I think you have to you have to get that either if you have an existing league, you got to put it out there. You know, a year Two, before it begins, yeah, before it yeah. starts, or you got to do that at the very beginning so everyone knows what they're signing yeah, up for. Yeah, but every year, whoever finishes last is out. And then maybe if you finish bottom three for three years in a row, like that's another reason to be relegated. Mm. I just kind of like that idea. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just, it just feels like, oh, you're not, you're not, you're not up to speed here. So you could reapply for the league in 15 years when we've gone through everybody else, or maybe, you know, Whatever it is, but but that'll keep people engaged. Like if you want to stay in the league, if you want to play against Derek Van Riper and me, some of the better dynasty players, like you got to stick with it and you got to you got to fight for it. You got to fight for it to the end. <laughs> it's like you've got two people fighting for the top spot and two people trying not to finish last as it comes to the last few weeks. It, w- it would change the game. It would it would add it would add a wrinkle to the game that we don't have right now. Yeah, do you like the idea of structuring? I mean, you can't you can't from the beginning have three or four different leagues and designate leagues as lower leagues either and have teams play up and down like the full Premier League relegation system, right? And there's a team that comes up from a lower league in Premier League. Three come up, three go down. Right. I feel like it'd be can't wrong yeah, yeah. from the start to be like, oh, this is a lesser league. You're in you're in league two. Like that's kind of ridiculous. You can't you can't build it that way, right? I, I don't think you can, but also I, I I think it's hard because then let's say you win League Two and then you move up to League One with the worst team in the league. You lose all the good it's players like, that you got. You, you no longer <laughs> yeah. have your great players, but now you have your no. I think it's just one league, yeah. and it's a, a rolling thing. And every year, and there's always there always seems to be one player who sort of taps out in June. You know, that that's probably the person who should be relegated. Yeah, some people tap out even earlier, and those people should not play in fantasy baseball leagues. Like you know, you shouldn't. You, you should be in the league the whole year. It's one of the downsides of fantasy baseball for Roto is that you know as the as the year goes on, Tom Trudeau always says that in dynasty leagues it always comes down to ratios. It'll always come down to ERA, WHIP, and average because all the top teams are going to bunch up at the top and runs and RBI. But if you if you're bad in ratios, it's gonna be hard to come back from that. And I, I think I think he's right. I think he's right about that. But I think if people played all the way through to the end of the season, it's just way better. And I'm sure that most of our listeners are doing that because they're taking the time to listen to the show. Yeah. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, we really do. But we gotta go. For the man who wants to have a third kid and name him Sky Bolt. <laughs> 
Yep, that's true. <laughs> For the man who could never, ever get away with naming a child Skybolt, I'm Derek Van Riper. I mean, God, we miss our buddy. He'll be back hopefully in a couple of weeks, and uh, we're back with you on Thursday. Good talk. Good talk. Bye.